In episode four, we talk about risk and no better person to talk about this, in my opinion, or at least in my personal life, than Sarah Daniel. Now, Sarah has spent a lot of time taking risks over the last three years, and for the most part, they've paid off. But as we all know, weighing risk versus reward is something we do on a daily basis. And if we can find somebody who at this point in her life is very adept at it, we should probably listen. So enjoy this episode, episode four. Thanks for joining us again, Skyscrapers. Say all the same nice things. Welcome back, Skyscrapers Nation. We are on our fourth episode. I'm one of your co-host, Marty. Of course, we're with YB here. Yep. We have a very special guest today, one of our close friends and business partners. So we're going to dive into all of that, how we met her, how she got into the personal training business. Uh, Sarah Hollick Daniel, recently with the Daniel. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's kick it off here. Yeah. So let's start with the Daniel. Um, I know that was a big thing, and it's been a year in May, correct? Mm Mm-hmm, a year. All right, fast forward a whole year. What have you learned? What's good? Oh, man, this is going to get real deep. (laughs) Um, I learned that a year goes very fast. Yeah, it's It's been a good year. All right, good. For sure, sure, it it definitely does go fast, but I think one of the, uh, the great things about marriage is it is something that you go into without knowing Um, what the future is going to hold, but what you are sure of is, you know, number one, what you're bringing to it, and then you're pretty sure about what the uh, other person is bringing um, to the table as well, and that's why you make the commitment. So um, I thought we could start there because um, what we want to talk about today is is taking risk and why um, you've been able to do it probably on several occasions, and sometimes it's tough for other people to do it. I'd love to, to have the Skyscrapers Nation really understand you know, what it means to take a risk, what step they, steps they should take. But I, I think they should hear your story first. So let's talk about how you got into training. I think that's actually an interesting story. And I think people by now should know. Okay. So I originally moved to Pittsburgh from New Jersey about seven years ago. Um, and I, I was coming here for, for graduate school. And at the start of school, of course, I was looking for some way to make some money so that I could pay my bills and pay for my books and I started waitressing and was not very good at that because I didn't actually receive proper training that's my excuse <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but so fast forward a couple weeks into moving moving to Pittsburgh I met Yarden at Urban Active um, back then he was trying to sell me on training but I had to decline because I was like I said a bad waitress and had no money um, couple of free sessions later with Yarden, he's still like, let me get you on this training. It's going to be whatever a month. And I'm like, all right, listen, you come to my restaurant, I'll wait on you. You give me that amount and then I'll come do training. So that's kind of where it started. That never happened. Instead, Yarden said, listen, you're an athlete. Um, you're obviously interested in this. I think you're a nice person. How about you just go get certified, come and shadow me for six months, and then we'll go from there, and I'll, and I'll hire you to, to work for me. And I said, okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, 
First of all, I think Sarah is probably the only person who's not good at waitressing. I'm not sure how what the training is like. That's another uh, story. <laughs> That's another story. But <laughs> I feel like maybe maybe she wasn't motivated. Um, but I think one thing that you did say there that I think is has always been in, uh, interesting to me, and I think um, is a good nugget, is I did not right away offer you money and say, hey. You know, you can start as a trainer next week and we're going to pay you $1,000 a week to be a trainer. Um, what I said is that, hey, I think that you have the tools to be a trainer, but you have to put some work in unpaid for six months. And you said yes, which if I'm being honest, I did not have all the confidence in the world that you would. Mm -hmm. um, just because young people, um, especially young college uh, uh, kid who does not have money, um, it doesn't sound like the most sort of appropriate way to, to, to meet their financial goals. Right. Um, but you said yes, and you did it in six months. But let's talk about just looking at that six months and you know, why did you decide to take that opportunity even though it wasn't something that was immediate for you? So I think um, going back to the fact that I was an athlete in high school and in college, I, I actually ran track for a couple of semesters at Allegheny. And um, even before that, like before high school, I was always interested in being in the gym and, and like learning whatever I could from whoever knew something about training and working out. Um, so fast forward to being presented with this opportunity, um, even though it was, you know, like you said, unpaid for six months, um, I thought it was a good opportunity for me to actually learn and, and figure out how to actually start to put things together and, and put programs together and, and figure out how to reached the goals that I had so okay well now let's talk about actually one thing that you said there and you keep on saying is about learning like your proclivity toward toward learning um is is that something that is, has always been sort of part of what you do um not just in training but in, in other areas as well too because uh I mean, six months is a long time, and you're like, what are you hanging on to during that time to get you through not having, not getting a paycheck from something that you don't even know you're going to be good at? Well, yeah, I mean, I I think I've always been into learning new things and reading and listening to different things, but talking talking to people and and getting more information and um, what got me through that. You mean like, how did I even get there? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you get six months, so you start. And you're motivated because you're like, well, hell, I'm not that good at waitressing. This sounds like a good opportunity. I always wanted to learn about training anyway. But then six months is still a long time. So like six weeks in, you know, what's still pushing you? Right. And then you got to hang out with me. Right. I'm pretty good looking, but six weeks in, you're like, <laughs> all right, still got to hang out with Marty and learn about these squats. It's kind of boring. I mean, I just, I, I loved it. I loved the environment. I loved working with people. I loved training people. I I mean, there was not an option of going back to uh, waitressing for me, so um, it was something I was passionate about, and um, at the time, it just was the right thing for me to be doing, and the opportunity came, and I took it, so even though it was a couple weeks in, like, still, you know, babysitting here and there, but I was already in, like, I already did it, and I was already on my way, so there was really no turning back. So Sarah, we had to teach you about you know muscle fibers and joint angles and all those things. Mm -hmm. But I think what you already had was the ability to get to know people. So what about your background? Like, how, what brought you to Pittsburgh in the first place with your education that helped you out in this training world? 
Right. So I actually, I studied psychology in undergrad. Um, and then when I moved to Pittsburgh, I went to Duquesne for marriage and family therapy. Go Dukes. Go Dukes. So um, just learning in my classes, like human behavior and like how the brain works and how like emotional intelligence and all these things of like why people do the things that they, that they do. Um, I think that really gave me an edge on training because it's not really about like being able to squat. I mean, it is of course, but it's, it's more about like, it's more about everything else. So, um, yeah, and I, that, listen, that was one of the things that, um, that connected me to you, um, just, just starting this, um, is I have a similar background, um, in working with people, um, with adjudicated youth and you do have to, in that environment, I had to very quickly and sometimes at a high level, be able to motivate people. Sometimes be able to set clear boundaries with people as well too. Mm -hmm. Um, confidence in myself and how I, uh, appropriate information and you know give information to people um was one thing that i had to have and you struck me as somebody who had that whether you knew you did or not um you know you had that and that was that was one thing for me that i was like i think this girl can do something special i did not wasn't even sure that it was going to be um in training but for me you know i i, I sort of fancy myself as a people collector and I try to keep people in my life that I feel like are special. And sometimes it doesn't mean that they work with me, but um, it, they're in different parts of my life and I try to um, find ways that we can stay connected. I, it, to me, the best way is to find ways to, to make it, you know, something that uh, is gonna be beneficial to them as well too. So mm -hmm. that way you know, the, the relationship can be mutual. Um, so in our case, it sort of made sense. Girl doesn't have a lot of money. I, she, you know, into athletics, really loves the training, uh, training game, but doesn't know much about it. Great, I know a little bit about the training game, all right, and I have some coaches around that could, cook, you know, that could help her out. In six or eight months, you'll be able to get some money from this. Everybody wins. Now, I think the future point now is after you were there, sort of on, you know, you were on your game there and you spent about a year or so with mm -hmm. us, and you moved on. What'd you do after you were done, sort of done training? So I, I did the training while I was like in the beginning of my studies, um, and then a year in, I started my internship. So fortunately for me, I was doing 40 hours a week, which was my internship, which actually was a paid position, good. which was, was pretty um, unlikely, but it was it was awesome. So unfortunately, I had to leave training, um, and I, I did that for over a year, and then graduated, um, got my first, actually, you know what, before I got my first therapy job, I met back up with you, mm -hmm. right? So um, hit yarding up, hey, fresh out of this job, fresh out of school, I need a job to like make some money so that I can get to my next therapy job, and he said, all right, come downtown, I'm at Gold's Gym. All right. You can do some training and then whatever. So at that time, looked for another job, found another therapy job at the at my new level. Um, but this is also when yeah, a new so, opportunity came up. So right. So it seems like Sarah, you went back to the old well, um, right. and you know we started training downtown. Now this is right around the time when 
Marty and I, if you guys uh, remember from the first podcast, Marty had just moved to North Carolina. Sarah calls me. James, who you will meet in a, in a future po- podcast, had just moved back to, uh, or sorry, not back to, moved to Pittsburgh. And we're, you know, sort of stars are aligning, but, you know, as far as Sarah's star, um, she, like she said, she messenger or something, one of those things, and just asked me if, you know, if I had any work. And of course, you know, great trainer from the past. I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. But what she didn't know at the time when I was, is I was planning to um, leave Gold's Gym relatively soon after we, uh, after we connected. And, you know, I asked her again, I asked her another sort of life-changing thing, except for this time, I'll let you finish the story as far as you going to, because you did get a job. Mm-hmm. So tell, tell us about your job and how'd that go. And So I guess my, my initial intention, I, my first job, my first therapy job was family therapy. So I was doing in-home therapy with families and, and their kids. My second job was part of a treatment team where I worked with um, some pretty severe mental health, um, just adults. And... Uh, I did that for about four months. It just wasn't the right place for me. Um, So I was open to something else, right? Whether that was like finding another therapy job and then this opportunity, Yarden said. Yeah, yeah. so now I'm like, all right, Sarah, um, these things aren't working out for you again. I'm going to start a company, Shape Training, and we're going to train everybody in Pittsburgh. And, you know, it was, again, one of those situations like, how much money am I going to make? And I'm like, none. (laughs) You actually probably lied to me and said something (laughs) crazy. But, but, uh, man, we we started, and Sarah was really like, Sarah and I were like the really first people to operate under the name of Shape Training. And her and I would go in home um, to folks, and I would come in. Um, with her the first day, we do an assessment on, on the folks in their home. Um, you know, and it was just part of me making sure the situation was safe for her. And she would continue to you know, continue to magic. She would go in there three, four times a week to different people's homes and driving around, driving her car around and, and training these people and making an impact on them. And I would come and, ch- and check up from time to time. But, you know, she was doing a lot of the lead work and just, uh, uh, you know, representing shape training in, the, in its first sort of infancy, and that was in, you know, 2000, late 2013, early, early 2014. Um, and it was again, so now we're in, if we look at it, and I guys, I want everybody to really pay attention to the parallel. And Sarah made a decision, maybe an easier decision when she was in college. Maybe the risk isn't as high, but she's still making a decision to really do something for six months so she wasn't going to get paid for. She never did before. She did it. Then she's back on track. And I, back on track, I'm, you can't see me, but air quotes, back on track. <laughs> and she's working in her degree. I'm sure her parents sent her to college to get a specific degree and then to work that and then to, you know, work the nine to five, then to get benefits, you know, then to, retire at a certain time, have a pension, and do all these things, 401k, and here I come, saying, hey, Sarah, that sounds tremendous, but 
I have no money, and but I have this great idea, and you're gonna do this with me and a couple other guys, and we're just gonna light the world on fire. And she said yes again. Let's talk about the second yes. Like, what are you thinking at that point? Because you're a little bit more on right. stakes, more stakes at that point. There are a lot of stakes. So let's go back to that initial conversation when you asked me, right? Of course, if you guys know me, I pulled out my notebook. Jeez, on P. I started taking notes. Uh, guys, it's a very big notebook. <laughs> very, all and it's 2018. Sticking out of it. And, and it's 2018. We don't even need like notebooks like this anymore because most of the things that she has written in here are like schedules and there's iPhones that L you can put. Listen, <laughs> the reason I said yes is because I had my notes in front of me, okay? So I took my little notepad out and I took my notes, took all the information, which was basically not a lot because we didn't really have a huge plan. I'm sure you had more of a plan than what, what I knew. But so I go home and I was dating, now married to uh, my husband, Ryan, at the time. And I was like, listen to this. This is crazy. What the <laughs> hell should I do? And he was just like, you know what? Whatever you do, like, I'm down for it. So then the other two people that I had to tell, right? Well, there were a couple people, uh, including my parents. Yeah, let's talk about Who, that. Yeah, what, yeah. Just so people are clear, what is the timeline? Like, how far removed are you from just graduating? This was like a couple months. Okay, just yes. so clear. Yeah, like, a in, couple you months. know, my story before I went, you know, into training and all those things, you know, I was probably two and a half years removed and sort of spent some time you know, not liking what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So it's a little, yeah. much faster track for Sarah. Yeah. Right? Much, much faster. Yeah, and, and like I said, that last job I didn't like, but it, it wasn't even like a, I don't like this that much that I'm gonna do this opportunity. It was like, I have to do this thing. I don't mm. know what it is. I don't know how the hell we're gonna get there. I have to do it. Mm. Mm. And I so so then I, I wrote everything down, pros and the cons, right? That's what people tell you to do. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. You actually did the but list. I did, <laughs> I did the list. And you know what? I probably if I scrolled back, I probably have it in an email because I didn't even have the courage to tell my parents mm. that I was gonna be doing this. I emailed them <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Funny. I emailed them the pro list and erased the con list. Whoa, you just the pros. Just the pro I mean, well, yeah. I'm not going to tell them the cons. They knew all the cons. <laughs> right? Fair enough. And the pros were things like endless opportunity. We're going to help a bunch of people. Right now, I'm helping a couple of people. We could help endless amounts of people. Uh, Jordan's pretty cool. <laughs> and there's also this whole charity aspect. Mm -hmm. And I really, 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 that's where my heart's at, too. So this actually makes sense to me. So... I just took the leap and then went in and my boss just looked at me and said, yep, I know you're leaving. So just tell me what, <laughs> when it is. And that was it. And that was it. So again, that, you know, that in that situation for me, um, I take a huge, I don't want to say huge cause I don't want to make it seem like I'm uh, different than anybody else, but I do take burden from people or I try to for people who I feel like do things for me and what and all I ever ask anybody to do for me is believe in me that's it because I'm like if you believe in me I'll 
go as far as I need to go. I'll learn whatever I got to need, whatever I need to learn, whatever. So, you know, as we go out, you know, through these episodes, you guys will meet the, the closest people to me and really every single one of them, but maybe Sarah more than others, um, just believe in me and what I'm saying, even if she doesn't understand it and she can't figure it out in her little notebook. But yeah, for for sure. I think that was um, the time that you had spent with me, like shadowing and, and, you know, we just got close and I've always, everything you've ever said, I'm like, even if that's tr not true, Yarden said it, so I believe it. And I'm not even going to like research to see if it's wrong because I just trust what he says and what, what he's doing and I'm, I'm ready to follow wherever he's going. So I guess if, if you were to ask me the question, would you do this again? And if it didn't involve you, the answer would be no. So I think it was the timing and the people and that's what created the opportunity. And something that Marty said in the first episode, and do your research, guys, if you haven't seen heard the first episode, listen to it, it's important, um, was he felt like, even though when he was down in North Carolina and he was doing some good things, he felt like he did not have the right team. Mm -hmm. And in the end, and we're going we're gonna to pivot a little bit, and you, know, you guys, for the most part, have really learned about Sarah and how she's gotten and, and the type of risks she's taken. Um, to get here, but what we want to be able to do is now talk a little bit about how let's take the lesson that Sarah's really taught us, and I do it on a daily basis, by the way, with little things that I tough for me to do. But you have to find someone, some people, something that you believe in, and then close your eyes and and go. I watch people on a regular basis find ways not to trust people or an idea as opposed to finding reasons why because I am pretty sure Sarah could have put that that con list up and maybe that pro list having say well Yarden is a reliable person or I feel this you know um, about him as far you know as far as our friendship you could parallel put it on the cons list like you don't really know this guy Mm -hmm. You know, how do you know, how does, you know, you know what he, if he knows what he's doing and so forth and so on. But you, I think we should erase the the con list in our mind as well too, right? And if you look at it, it's like people get paralyzed by, by not just believing in something. And whether it's right or not, typically, if you move on something, you can find some good out of it. And as I, you know, as I talk with people on a daily basis and try to get them move, to move toward their fitness goals, I feel like if I can unlock that with that person, with them, then I feel good. And that's why, you know, it's important for us here just in hiring and developing good people. So that way, when people come in, they have someone that they can just close their eyes and trust no matter where they're going. You guys, that makes sense to you guys? Absolutely. Yeah, I've always said, you know, I think this was back in Urban Active when, um, you know, you know, I had, you know, I was the position there where I had some trainers underneath me and then, you know, Yarden above me as the training director. And I think, you know, you always get some employees that think, you know, you're a brown noser for doing this or, or doing that. And, you know, you know, they always say like, well, if someone so jumped off a bridge, would you jump? And if Yarden jumped off a bridge, I'm just going to jump like I don't even think twice because Yarden has a damn good reason why he's jumping mm -hmm. off the bridge. So I'm yes. just I'm just going too. So 
I think we have to, you know, going back to the team, we got to surround ourselves. Or if, if whatever that idea is, we got to jump to the idea, right? And, and not, not think about it. Yeah. And just believe it. That thought sometimes, thought is good, all right? So we're not saying, we're not saying that uh, you should go into to situations without thought, right? But there's a point where thought, there's enough, there's enough thinking now. You know, we got to do, and I'm just in history, I'm, a, I'm like a history buff, sort of. Anybody, when any, anybody's made any good decisions, you can see where there's a point where they just said, I can't figure anything else out, like, let's roll. You know, so, Sarah, let's get back to you. I want, from, you do have, like, classical training and, you know, in therapy and, and that type of thing. Now, you also head up our sales and we try to look at sales in a different way we have to close people in order to you know it's a life lifeline of our business um but we want to make sure people feel good about the decision that they make um how do you feel like number one how how's that position um sort of worked out for you and you know what your thoughts on it but then second secondarily how do you feel like your sort of training and therapy has uh sort of colored that for you I think they, those two questions go hand in hand because originally when I first started trying to sell training back Urban Active, Gold's mm -hmm. Gym Days, there was a lot of anxiety of like making a close, making a close, getting the numbers. But I think the way that, like you said, we approach it, even though we have to hit numbers, um, at the end of the day, you can't help someone unless you get a close, right? So mm -hmm. I think my therapy background really helps me to get to know the real reason why and like the emotional reason why it's important for people to be here because everybody that walks in this door says I want to be toned I want to lose weight but really everybody has a different story and I think people just want to be heard and mm -hmm. not it's not often that people truly want to listen to you so I think if we can create an environment that's safe and comfortable and and supportive then it just becomes easy so why don't why don't you think that people in general are willing to to take risks in in areas because you know it's, listen most of the people that we meet nowadays and I think I don't know if you guys will, would agree with me is we're not there this is not the first time they've tried to lose weight or whatever like this is like the 68th time they've tried to do right. it so you you have to ask like I know the other 67 times that trainer in front of them for the most part I could probably guess that that trainer in front of him wanted to help him but do you think there's a, a certain there's anything particular that it, with the environment that you create during that process that that allows them to take that risk that day because it is a risk right and I, I think one of the main things is that people are just it's like their fear right mm -hmm. fear they've tried to lose weight before with the other trainers and they failed or they have a fear of um that it's going to be too hard or, or whatever it is. Um, so I think being able to get to know them, get to know the deep meaning behind why this is important helps to eliminate their fear. Okay. So where would you say that, you know, if somebody, if somebody that's listening that has something, and it doesn't have to be, of course, guys, we're, we're trainers, so a lot of the analogies that we make are always about fat loss and those things. But really, this is about just life in general and moving forward, forward and through any challenges that you that you have in front of you, whether it's bad relationship, 
you know, whether it's a financial situation, business situation, or losing weight, whatever the case may be, is so we that's how we you know we use the analogy through fitness, but you know, what are some things or what process would you say that somebody has to get themselves to so that they can take that leap? So what are you what are some things that you, or one or two things you think people should start with to get themselves in the position to take the a good question because the way I look at it right and is one of the first things you should you know like we said is you have to you have to have someone or something that you can blindly trust right so someone that that's going to give you that support right you know but then after that to me the second the second thing that people miss is sort of a little bit of like you know I played football so they call it nasty you know, and you know what I mean by that is like you get get to a point where like enough is enough, and you got to get a little bit of an attitude about that, and not you know not look at it like well okay, and if I get these done and I do, and if I don't then I don't. Like no, like we're getting these done today. I know when I take somebody through a first workout, and they're telling me my leg is burning, I'm like sounds great. You see the end of that track down there? We're getting there. And what I want to establish for them that day is that you don't get any choices anymore on if you're going to complete something. It's just a question of when. We're talking about when, not if. Right. You know, and how, not if. You know, so, like, for me, those, those, are, you know, those are two things when I look at them is find something, someone, some idea that you can believe in and close your eyes. But then secondly, you just get a little bit of attitude about you know, reaching your goals and it makes, it's always helped me take a risk because I'm like, well, you know, hell, I'm going to get in the middle of it and I'm going to fight to get this done no matter what, you know, I'm looking at. For you, Marty, what do you, what do you, well, for think, you just in taking risks for yourself? Like, well, I think you put, like, you put yourself in the middle of the ring and fight, you, like you said, you got to fight, you got to fight your way out somehow. Right. So you're going to figure out, you're going to, you're going to learn, you know, you're going to get the help you need, get the support you need. So, you know, I think everything that we've done this far has involved a little bit of that, mm -hmm. right? You know, going back to Sarah's, you know, training, you had to figure out, you know, how to do a row, right? How to do a push-up, right? You know, you have some help along the way, right? You got to hang out with me, right? <laughs> One of your clients I was talking to and they're like, wow, Sarah made up this great exercise and it helped my posture. And I'm just like, really? She made that up, huh? What is that exercise? And I mean, that's <laughs> Something that I clearly showed her. I didn't even make it up, but she took all the credit there. But Marty, I was trying to own it. I was very confident. That's what I wanted to get to, right? It's your confidence that I think, you know, allows you to to move forward, right? You, with making the jump from right, using your degree, having your you know your typical nine to five job, having confidence in you know confidence in Yarden, right? But if confidence in yourself, right, right, mm -hmm. that allowed you because because Yarden could die. And then you, you with, don't say that. <laughs> I could. <laughs> could. Possibly. And then it's, it's like you got shaped trading now, right? right? And then so I think it's your own confidence, right? At the at that end of the day, that allowed you to make those. For make sure. Yeah, and I think it, it goes a little bit just beyond confidence too. It's just like that. It's there's not even a word you could put on it. It's just that drive or that like inner fire. What? How about this? And what's what's changed for you? And I'm going to spill on you a little bit. You are a little anxious. Mm -hmm. 
right. probably why I got into the therapy. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. It's typically True how it happens. That is definitely how it happens, right? Um, you are a little anxious. But for me, in the last year and a half, maybe two years, now, yeah, it's, it, it, probably in the last two years, you've definitely improved just in almost every single thing you do, but especially the way you command um, groups of people mm-hmm. um, and and get like get things out of people in our management meetings when we go out into the public um, and just connecting with people in a way where you're in charge. That has changed dramatically in the last um, two years to where we've had disagreements on things. And I leave feeling good that you were able to at least challenge me on it. Now I always win because I'm the most stubborn person you'll ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. But what has that been? What, why the flipping in the last two years? What's changed? I just think I got to a point where I, I mean, I don't think anybody that deals with anxiety or, or doesn't feel confident in what they're doing. Like I came into this not knowing what the hell was going on. I didn't know how to do anything with business or do anything. So I think I got to a point where I was just sick of it. And I just read some things, listened to some more Mm. things, podcasts, more discussions, and just decided that I didn't want to be like that anymore. So it forced me to change. So you would say that you're you're, you got a little bit of that nasty. Got a that, little nasty. <laughs> right, that I attitude. I get a little nasty right? sometimes. <laughs> That's, that attitude that we, that I think is so hugely important, you do have to get sick of it at some point. Right, right? Because there's we a all moment, have, right? and then that's it. And then you move forward, and then you, but you move forward like in a really, really hard way. Um, and so now let's fast forward a little bit and let's talk about of all the things that you've acquired in the last two years. And I really want to focus on that because we talked about taking risks. You took the risk. Now you're in the middle of it. Marty talked about fighting his way out of the middle of the ring. And you're right. You got to put yourself in the middle of water with sharks and then find your way out of there. Everybody will become a good swimmer when you throw, when you throw yourself in a, in a pool with, a, with, with sharks in it. Trust me. Michael Phelps, it'll happen. You did that. Now you improved over the next over the last two years. You're sitting pretty right now. I mean, listen, we're about we have two locations. We're about to upgrade one, you know, another location. You know, life's good. You're making a little bit of money, so you can pay your bills. You're a little bit like making a little bit more than you were when you were a waitress. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> you know, so you're married, so that relationship is good as well then too. So, what's next, and what's the next risk that that you feel like? you should take what's next that's I mean that's always an open question right I think it just comes down to whatever comes next is something that I'm gonna have to learn and fight through and suffer through and get better at and just keep going at it so so you can say bring it on (laughs) bring it on when you say suffer what do you mean by suffer well, I mean, like going back to, you know, two years ago, right, uh-huh. in this state where I didn't feel like I had any confidence, that was, a, that was like not an easy period. So um, I think when things change, you have to just be okay with going through those tough times. And then you slowly master things and you get better and you get better and then different things come up, struggle with that. So I think that process is never like an easy or enjoyable, but you get through it and, and you have some 
some successes, so. Okay. Yeah, so I was just going to bank off that. You know, it's how we grow, right? Right. Everybody grows through struggle, and, you know, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I yeah. think that's how everybody, right, everybody listening, right, take a look at what you had to go through and then how it's made you better. And then, like we talked about in that first episode, is you got to have bigger problems because mm. the bigger problems are going to challenge you. If you keep having the same problems, you know, I'm probably trouble. not moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means you suck. When you seriously, right? And I mean, it's a strong word. And you know, I typically don't want to be that negative. But you suck if you just have the same problem over and over and over and over again. It's like I can't keep on lifting, struggling with 15 pounds, right? At some point, like I just got to pick up the 20, even though I did not lift that 15 pounds 10 times like I wanted to. I'm still going to pick up the 20, like because I just can't even look at this 15 anymore. And that's how way I do things in my life. I'm like, listen, I don't. It, I didn't even not even good at this thing yet, but like I just don't want to see it anymore. So I rather I rather fail at something bigger than be trapped by this small thing that's been just been eating me up. Since it's eating me up, I'm going to go go after the big thing. Maybe I'm more I'm better suited for that big thing, you know? And <clears throat> I don't know if it's confidence or ignorance or whatever. Don't care what it is, but what I know is that each time that I've done that, what I've I put myself in, in a position to just figure things out. You know, I look at things like, listen, I'm human, and humans made an iPhone, which I still don't understand how it works. Humans, you know, like listen, listen there's transatlantic flights. Like I I won't do one because I don't know how they have enough fuel to get, you know, from New York to Australia somewhere. I don't understand it, but a human did that. So I'm like, if a guy can figure that out or a guy or girl can figure that out, then I can figure this like this business out for sure. I'm not the first person to to meet any challenges. So taking risks for me um, is part of life. It's what we're it's what we're supposed to do. It's, it's how, number one, that's how we walked the first time, right? You just see people doing it. And you're like, man, I'm gonna try that. You know, it, a child doesn't go and 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 break it down and go, well, if I do this, I could hurt my knee, and then there's my head, which is heavier than the rest of my body, and how to go through this. Like, they don't do it. They're just like, listen, I want to be like those people that I care about, that I love. I'm going to be like them, so I'm just going to get up and go, and they fall a trillion times. But then after a while, you'll see some kids that they just get walking, and they go right to running because I feel like they're like, I wasn't even that good at that walking thing, but I see them doing this other thing that maybe I could be good at, and they start running. So, Let's, I do want to, let's make another, another pivot here, guys, and let, let's talk about, you know, the dynamic female to male, and it's one thing that I've always talked to Sarah about, and I've, um, and some people may not like to hear this on the podcast, and um, don't forgive me, I'm not going to apologize for it, I mean, I, I deal in reality, but to be a woman in the workplace, you just have to be better than the men in order for you to be seen as equal. It's just the way it is. I'm not saying that it's something I agree with. Listen, I have a wife and two girls. So if there's anybody, and I grew up, I have five sisters growing up. So if there's anybody who want, wants things to be equal across the board for women, it's me. But I also deal in reality. And I always talk, have to talk with Sarah and say, listen, if, if the job requires 10 and you do 10, it's gonna be seen as seven. So I do not need no, no 10 out of you. I need like a 15 just so they can be seen as 10. And that pressure I know is 
high and hard and we've had some sort of heated things about um, the way you deliver information to your male counterparts that I don't think is appropriate because it's not hard enough or met with the, you know, or, or sorry, delivered with enough fire so that they get where you're coming from regardless of your sex. So uh, talk to us a little about a little bit about that. And how is your, how, you know, how your viewpoint is with that? Yeah, I think that actually, that was one of the things that I struggled with the most originally. You know, we have five males, strong personalities, um, type A coming together and then me. And I guess I just had to figure out and go through those fights. There are many yelling matches and tears and rewriting this email and, and recalling this person to apologize. But um, yeah, I think that has been a lot of pressure to, to have to kind of be your, like an equal, but try to be above that um, to then fall within the equal level. Cool. What do you think about that? You see, you hear me say that, right? What is your What are your thoughts, just as a woman, in hearing that? And is it, you know, am I am I inaccurate in saying that, or is just you know, as far as how, you know, how women are viewed, and then what it takes for them to get, you know, sort of equal and be on equal footing. It's like a loaded question because it's 2018, right? So you don't want to you don't like to think about it like that and I try not to even think about it um but it's it's a challenge it really is um I don't know it's as a manager Sarah right now you have males working underneath you how do you think your delivery changed I think I had to just like trial and error figure out how how do I deal with this person or this type of person or like and yeah would you say each person that you deal with is how you deal with them is a little bit different of course yeah yeah so it's a learning process right. and then you learn it and then you meet something new and then you have to learn it again so it's been a challenge yeah I mean in the end in the end you know it is what it is like you can't change you know, you can't change that about yourself. Um, you know, you, who you are is is clearly where you know where you're standing. Um, and if I tie it back into the risk taking, um, again, I I see people get paralyzed by spending a lot of time trying to uh, identify where they are and remind people, you know, where they are. I'm black, so I have you know I'm 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 this. You know, I have these uh, circumstances. I'm a woman, so I have these circumstances. Um, you know, I'm tall, so I have these circumstances. I'm short, so I have these circumstances. You know, whatever. And not saying that you need, that you shouldn't identify it, but like, how long are we gonna make this identification, and then not do something, and then not work? Right. Right. Let's like, you know, let's identify it because you need to know where you stand. But that should be very little of your time. The next steps need to be and honest attempt at moving yourself forward and the honest means that you're okay with this the where you're you know where where it puts you you know if it can put me two points behind i'm okay i know i gotta get four points to be up by two instead of complaining about it or you know trying to find um 
sort of a way for somebody else to make it equal. I just know I have to get four points. And just because the guy next to me or the girl next to me only has to get two, who cares? I feel better knowing how much I need to get. Because now I can have a plan. I go to my team. You know, I go, I, I adjust my attitude now. You know, and I think you've done a good job of just ad adjusting your attitude and understanding that, hey, they may listen to something that I say, and then you say the same thing, they may not listen to it. It's your fault that they don't listen to it. Not their fault, because they, they see things the way they see them. Um, it's your fault because you're not taking an honest look at how you're delivering things, and you just think just because you say it and it's right, somebody should listen. It's not, it's not the case. You know, so I think the last part of you know, taking risk really is being you know, very honest with yourself and taking accountability for everything that happens, like ultimate accountability. So if it's good, it's your fault. If it's bad and it's terrible, it's your fault. And it does not matter how it got there. It doesn't matter how much percentage the other person had. It was, well, it's 96% their issue. Okay, but there's 4% that's yours. And since we're talking to you, and since it's your business, and since it's your career, and since it's your relationship, it's your fault. And if I, you know, I've always tried to get myself in a position where I feel like it's my fault. And what I've seen that has helped me feel good about taking risk is that I feel like no matter what happens, I got the key. Right. Because it's up to me. I'm like, I ain't got to worry. It doesn't matter what Marty does. It doesn't matter what Sarah does or James does. It doesn't matter because in the end, I have the key. And I'm hoping that everybody feels the same exact way. Right. Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things that um, helped me to change too was, was that attitude was, well, at the end of the day, if X, Y, and Z don't do this, like it's my fault. So that makes me take extreme responsibility for making sure that I'm doing the right thing, communicating the right way. If it doesn't work, figuring out another way. And, and then that's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, risk-taking is tough. Uh, but, you know, like we said earlier, I think the only way you get to anything that's worth your time, your energy, your effort, the love that you give is to take risk, right? We do it in relationships. Listen, when you have a child, you take a risk, right? We don't know how pregnancies turn out. Then we don't know how, what type of child we're going to get. Um, you know, the same thing, I can say the same thing with a business relationship. We have six people on our, you know, on our management team that are owners in this business, like, and, you know, hopefully you guys, we, you know, we continue to have a long relationship and we can tell all the stories that we've added for these four years. Um, and I'm sure we'll have over the next, you know, five to 10. Um, so just managing all of our personalities, um, that's been difficult. Then you have financial relationships that, that can be difficult, right? And then you have, you know, you know, your theological relationships that can be difficult on a regular basis. Then you have your parental relationships that could be different. And I could keep on going up and down. You have your college friends that no, are no longer your friends just because you don't drink with them on the weekend. And you got to manage those things. You know, but every single one of those is really based on risk taking. Like, even if I stay on the last one that was sort of funny, you know, your, your college friends, the risk that you take that I'm going to be a little bit more responsible than, you know, than, you, than we have been over the last couple of years and hope that you're still my friend. That's a risk that you have to take. And then you have to, you put yourself right in the middle of that pool and you just have to figure it out if you still want to be 
if you still want that person to be in your life. Um, and I've navigated those, those relationships and those people are my friends, but they're just my friends on, on different levels, which is okay with me. Um, so I think just risk taking in general is something that we all have to get fall in love with, that we have to be searching for a risk to take on a regular basis because it's the only way thing anything gets done. And for sure, I think um, if you guys stop by the club anytime and you want to sit down for 10 minutes and talk with anybody who can really understand that and has lived through it maybe more than any of us have through this particular process and you know, has, has waded her way um, through it very easily, um, or at least she makes it you know, look easy, I think Sarah is a good person to sit down with and just uh, knock a couple things off um, as far as how you get from point A to point B um, in, in that risk taking and feeling good, good about you know, where that goes. So, hey guys, episode four, Sarah has been great talking with you. You too, um, guys. We learn. We always learn a couple new things when we, you know, we would sit down. Even somebody that we've known for, you know, going on seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you know, we love you. Don't steal our exercises anymore, or at least give us credit. <laughs> no, okay. it still happens. Marty, <laughs> Definitely still happens. Marty steals mine now. <laughs> <laughs> not a, not true. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but guys, hey, shape, shape nation, tune in next week. We'll have another uh, great podcast for you. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.